Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to mess with my guest today. He's a former FBI special agent for 21 years and also a former member of the U.S. Navy. We want to certainly thank him for his service across the board. Eric Jackson is a highly regarded security expert who has strong opinions about the current state of policing in this country. His experience as a law enforcement officer provides great perspectives and insights on what needs to happen to ensure the right kind of policing. He also says he's the biggest Dallas Cowboys fan, but I'm not going to hold that against him. Hey, Eric, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hi, good morning, Ms. Hayes. Hey, it's good to have you. So you were the first black special agent to lead the FBI's Dallas division. What was it? What was the FBI experience like for you? Well, uh, from, from the day that I joined the FBI back in 1997, uh, one of the things that I, I really appreciate is uh, the FBI is hands down the finest law enforcement organization in the world. Uh, just the, the mission, the people, uh, a, there's, there's no job in America that even compares to it. Yeah. You know, I was, it was interesting. I was watching a television show or a clip back from, but right around after 9-11, I can't remember whose show it was on. It was David Letterman's or someone, and there was an actor on it who was actually um, on a plane where he actually saw a trial run back in August before the September 9-11 thing ha- occurred. And he saw these four guys and he went up to the fl- captain and the flight attendant reported him and said, I think there's maybe a, hi- a potential hijacking. Well, in the end, they found out that these guys were actually the guys that were doing a trial run. And they were on a plane, uh, just checking it out, making to see what they could do. And lo and behold, it turned out to be real. And so um, when 9-11 happened, one of his friends called and said, don't you think you should call the FBI and let them know that that happened? He did. And they gave a report. And they said, sir, uh, we got 35,000 tips like yours. We're not going to get back to you, but thank you, so forth. And the next morning at 7 a.m., he gets a phone call on his phone that wakes him up. And he goes, it's the, and they said, it's the FBI. And he goes, well, geez, do I need to come down and get you? Uh, I'll come down to the office. He goes, no, uh, we're right outside your door. And he goes, how did you know that? He goes, sir, we're the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. A little story, nonetheless. Is the culture at the federal level similar to that of the local police department? You know, we've been hearing a lot about, you know, the boys network, you know, the, the blue wall kind of thing. Is that culture the same that you saw on the FBI today? I, I think uh, when, whenever I hear people talk about the blue wall, uh, what, what I think more about is, is just from my military days, whatever, you, you build a camaraderie. You, you, the people who uh, enter in the breach and go through the door with you, you, you build a, a bond and a, and a fellowship. The, the one difference that I would say is accountability. Uh, in the FBI, we were accountable to each other. Uh, failure was was not an option, and if someone uh, violated uh, policies or rules or things like that, we held them accountable. And and that's the the one thing that I not only see in the FBI, but I also see in in local, state, and other federal law enforcement agencies. Yeah, you, you so you say you would say you don't see that same kind of 
I, I want to use the word blatant racism that you see in some of the departments in some places around the country. Well, one, one of the things I would say with, with every law enforcement agency around, we're a microcosm of society. The, the, the same issues that affect society affects us, you know, and uh, we would be remiss to say that we're immune to it because we're not. Right. Yeah, well, it's there. I mean, I think we all have certain biases, I don't, regardless of what your, your color are. We, we all have, as humans, we have biases, period. And we just have to learn to overcome those biases to understand and be a better person all the way around. I think that's the way it's done. What, what do you think needs to change in, in policing today? Well, I, I think the first thing uh, that I've been recommending, I've been talking about, is uh, you got to have accountability. Without accountability, you have anarchy. And what I mean by that is uh, you may work together with me as my colleague, but if I am there and I see you kneeling on an individual's neck who's, who's crying out that they can't breathe and that they're crying for their, their uh, mother, uh, accountability means that I stop you. Yeah. And, and, and I should have enough camaraderie with you that my voice should stop you. If my yeah. voice cannot stop you, then my actions need to do that. And, and that's what I think uh, all law enforcement officers uh, need to look at themselves and say, who am I accountable to? Yeah, well, in that, in that situation, you had some really young officers, brand new to the force as well. A little tougher for them, isn't it? I, 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 I won't accept that because I remember as a, as a brand new special agent uh, doing a case and the senior agent I was with, uh, we were going to arrest some some truthfully bad guys, and he was uh, very unsafe in his practices. And I, I called him out on that at that mm-hmm. moment because it was not only his life uh, that was on the line; it was my life that was on the line. And we're taught from the FBI to hold each other accountable. And I know local, state, and other federal law enforcement are teaching the exact same thing. So I, I won't hold that just because they were new recruits that they didn't have the voice to speak up. That's, that's unacceptable. Is the value system off that much, do you think? Well, I, I, I think one of, one of the things that has concerned me greatly uh, about this whole matter is you have someone who has been uh, a training officer who has 17 complaints against him uh, yeah. for his actions. That should have been a clue to leadership that is this the person that we want training our, our new officers? And, yeah. and based on that, I, I, I think that's, that's what we have to look at as law enforcement is, uh, you know, do we have the right people uh, being hired? Do we have the right people training the, the future law enforcement officers? And I would say that Derek Shulman was not that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that that's coming out to be true <laughs> without question. Have, have you had some uneasy moments with the law yourself? Well, I, I've, I've had uh, not only as a uh, special agent during my special agent times, but also uh, just in life. I've, I've been stopped and uh, those uh, not so nice stops. Yeah. Uh, and I won't whole law, all law enforcement, uh, accountable for those, but the individuals that did do it. And one of the stories that I always tell is I'm driving from 
Dallas to uh, my home base, and I've just uh, picked up my son's SUV uh, as he goes to college to bring back to the city I was in. Uh, I go in a gas station to get gas and get food uh, on the drive, and I come in contact with a trooper. This trooper looks me in the eye, runs out of the store, and probably 10 to 15 minutes after I get back on the road, uh, he's sitting under a viaduct and pulls me over and says, hey, where are you coming from? You know, do you mind if I search your car? And I'm, I'm, yeah, really yeah, I, I, I would say, I mean, I'd serve without, hell yeah, I mind. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, uh, so I'm very cooperative and, uh, I let him know that, uh, I'm a special agent of the FBI and that, uh, the car is full of my service weapons. So I oh. wanted to make sure. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's those extra steps of that uncomfortable moment. And, and it, what, by the way, when you, you, you said that to him, because by the way, if I got pulled over, um, and, and I have, but, but for different reasons, usually because I was doing something wrong, I was speeding, I missed a stop sign. I, I'm not, I'm a bad driver. I'm a, I'm a very bad driver. So I get pulled over quite often. So many times I got pulled over for suspicion of drunk driving because I'm weaving on the road. Cause I'm looking over here. I'm looking over here and I'm going down the interstate. So, I mean, I'm a bad driver. I'm, I'm a queer, but I also have to state, Hey, I just want you to know I got weapons in the car because I have concealed weapon uh, permits and, and so forth and so on. A little bit different. Now, when you said, hey, I want to let you know I'm a special a spe- FBI special agent and I have weapons in the car, what happened then? Did his oh, demeanor change? Demeanor changed 100% and it was very cooperative. But the reason I did it is not to, uh, to in essence, use my position as a special agent. It was my way of de-escalating the situation because yeah. I knew at that moment uh, it was uh, a dark night. Uh, uh, I could see in his face uh, concern, and I wanted to de-escalate the situation. And by letting mm-hmm. him know that I was a special agent, I provided him my credentials, uh, the the proper way. I told him where they were, and that I'm going to reach for it and things because I I didn't want anything. And these this happened years before Orlando Castillo. Uh, uh, doing the same thing. And, and that really touched me because I remember a stop similar to that. So it's, it's a real phenomenon and law enforcement has to protect themselves, but also our job is to not escalate the situation is to de-escalate the situation. As citizens, period. You know, I mean, there's certain things I do. Quite frankly, if I get pulled over at, at night, I'm, I, I, or typically I'm heading to the airport early in the morning. This happened to me like 4.30 in the morning, very dark. I get pulled over. I missed a stop. I didn't realize I did that, but I did. And they pulled me over. I went, where the hell did they come from? And, and the cops, you know, they come up. Man, I'm rolling down both windows, and I put my hands outside the car. Because I, I got tinted windows, you know, on the pickup truck. The whole, I want them to see. But, you know, look, but the same guy, I'm a white guy. I'm not a black guy. And, and I know that that – and I think the other thing is, does 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 it surprise you that so many people are surprised that this happens to black men all the time? Well, I I think where it surprises me is uh, this is not a, a new phenomenon. is is not a new complaint. Uh, it's it's a uh, the complaints have been out there for a long time. What what surprises me is I, I think for the first time this nation and this world got to see. Uh, the level of those issues uh, in plain sight. 
on, yeah. on film. And, and again, this is not uh, an indictment of all law enforcement officers. It's, it's an indictment of those individuals like Derek Chauvin who are tainting and, and destroying the legacy of law enforcement by doing things that we are never trained for, that, that we, uh, we should be able to take a situation like that and, and keep it at an escalation level that it doesn't lead to someone losing their life. I, but Eric, at the same time, I will. I think it is surprising to most white people that this happens on such a regular occurrence, or it has happened at all. Most people, most white people, I would think, would say, and even in business, and quite frankly, business executives, whatever, would say, "Well, if you're looking for trouble, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get pulled over, and if if you and if you're and if you're not doing anything wrong, you got nothing to worry about." You know, but yet that's uh, you know, that's a that's a wrong way to be able to even say something like that. But that's a uh, a, a false belief, yeah. Uh, because uh, I, I I can tell you I've you know been on Earth for fifty six years. I've n- never uh, had a uh, a ticket or anything, and I still get pulled over. And I you know, and I understand the, uh, some of the reasoning behind that because. Uh, for for many years, uh, we uh, allowed things like stop and frisk. We, we allowed other things that uh, predominantly affected the minority community. So as a result of that, you're going to have people who uh, stay within the line within policing, but you're also going to have people who uh, may take that line uh, a little bit north and, and a little bit harder. But uh, it's real people who are being affected by by these practices and policies, and and that's why uh, it's unfortunate that it took someone to lose their life for this conversation to to really start at the level that it needed to start many years ago. Yeah, it, I I think that uh, a lot of folks, and myself included, I was okay with stopping for us. I thought, hey, they're they're profiling they're profiling a criminal. And then now, I, now in today's light, I go, holy shit, no way. I wouldn't want that. And by the way, if I were on the receiving end of that, I guarantee you I wouldn't want that. But because it didn't affect me, it wasn't in my purview, right? I, so, I, I agree with that. Yeah, and I think, so, So you know, the, the only reason that I understand it today is because my black friends are saying, this is bullshit, we're not putting up with it anymore. And you know what, you're right, you're absolutely right, and thank you, now I know, but I, but I don't walk in your shoes, never have walked in your shoes, can't walk in your shoes, can't even comprehend of walking in your shoes. But now that I know that, I can at least understand it, and now I go, there's no freaking way. But at the same time, I need to also understand, as a white male, I'm not going to be treated that way. Even even if it were to occur, I'm not going to be treated that way. Well, one, there one, lies the difference. One, one of the most important things is, uh, you know, when we talk about equal treatment, uh, if, if people are committing crimes in, in a predominant area and you're able to, to visualize that, that crime in, in progress, yeah, you, you know what, you're supposed to respond, but not based on how you look. Yeah. Because it, that that crosses a line. I, I can tell you as an FBI agent, uh, I never opened one investigation based on how someone looked. Yeah. Well, he looks like a criminal. Right. right. I, I, I never did that in, in yeah. 
21 years, uh, not one. And that, 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 that case, Robert De Niro be in trouble a lot because he played a lot of them over the years. Yeah. <laughs> I love, uh, I, I love his movie, so I won't say anything bad. Yeah. Yeah. But does it, I just want to ask you personally, I mean, look, you're a Navy vet, FBI special agent. I mean, doesn't it just piss you off? And as a, and as a black man or as a human being, doesn't it just piss you off? Well, I, I, I will tell you, it, uh, it saddens me first because you're, you're, you're talking about how people are being harmed. And yeah. that, that empathy, uh, sadness in you know, this nation that I love and, and nation I've protected uh, all of my life, uh, that, that we're at this point. Uh, one of the things that bothered me, and it, it, I, I speak openly about it, it's not a political thing I talk about, it's, it's more of a law enforcement thing. When I saw uh, at, a, at a meeting in Long Island uh, that police were there and they were being told that it's okay to uh, be rough with individuals to hit their heads uh, as they're going in, and to see my fellow law enforcement officers laughing at that. Uh, it, it, it broke my heart. I, I spoke up about it the minute that happened, that there is no law enforcement officer in this nation, in this world, that should uh, condone hurting those, even, even the criminals we, we arrest. Once you put cuffs on them, you control the situation. Uh, let your humanity kick back in. And, yeah. and that's something that keeps you from becoming a Derek Chauvin. Let's, let's come back to that. I need to take a quick break. I got so excited by this conversation and so interested and captivated by it that I didn't take a break. And let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we are live right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're doing a live cast of All Business with Jeffrey Is it right here on C-Suite Radio. And of course, I'm talking to uh, Eric Jackson, Chief Security Officer and Risk Mitigation at TBK Bank. And he's a former Navy uh, veteran and uh, FBI special agent. So we're talking about security policing. And, and of course, racism is part of that because it's part of our society. And we're talking about how we can best do a better job of that. What do you think has to occur? Um, you know, right before the break, we were actually talking about how to make the police force uh, more human, really, to really, truly be more human and not to not react in those ways. What do you think's got to occur to make policing better? Well, I, I think it starts with who you hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you should have standards that don't bend the curve toward uh, individuals. You have standards that, that are there and those individuals need to meet those standards. So you're, you're hiring, you're training, and then you're holding people accountable. Uh, yeah. when, when I hear 17, complaints against a officer that leads to an individual, uh, you know, dying. One of the, my first questions is, uh, within those 17 complaints, where was the accountability? Yeah. And, and who held him accountable for not only those things that he did or had done, but who held him accountable for looking at, is this the right person for our department? Is this the type of mindset that we want in our department? And that's, that's the question that I'm still waiting uh, to be answered is uh, what other departments have those type of individuals and, and how are we going to hold those individuals accountable? 
So let me ask a question. In terms of communities and police, there seems to be getting a big gap between the belief of the community and the belief of the police. And at least that's the perception in the media side. Uh, do you think that's true? And do you think we need, how, how do you think we need to bridge that gap? Uh, absolutely, it's true. One, one of the things that I saw in, in probably the last five years of my, my career was how far we had moved away from the community that we had sworn to protect and serve. And what I, what I mean by that is people, uh, I would meet people who had never met an FBI agent before, ever. And one of the things that I spent probably the, the last uh, five to 10 years, probably 10 years, is bridging that gap. I, I made a point to get out into the community and make sure that people didn't know me when it was uh, an arrest happening. They knew me that I had the same societal issues that they had, that you know I was uh, taking care of a family, raising a family, and that I grew up, uh, I grew up in the projects, uh, you know, 10 blocks from where uh, Dr. King was assassinated in, mm-hmm. in Memphis. And uh, people want to know that uh, you have a humanity that that you have empathy for them, and if the only time they ever see you is when you're arresting someone, uh, that's that's the the view that they have of you. So law enforcement officers, leaders, uh, from whatever level, local, state, or federal, uh, this is the community that we sworn and protect. They pay our salaries. They're not the enemy, and we need to make them feel as though we're there for them. Nine one one is the most important number in the world, yeah. and and they should know that the people who show up are not going to treat them like criminals. We're going to treat them with the same respect that uh, that law enforcement is asking the community to do, and the community has a responsibility too. They need to understand that law enforcement has a job to do, and it's it's probably the single most difficult job in this country. Treat them with respect and, and the same. And I think when both of those come together, you're bridging the gap and you're bringing law enforcement closer to the community. What do you think about all this talk about defunding police? I, I, I think uh, that is someone who is taking uh, a campaign slogan and, and trying to rile things up. Uh, yeah. if, if you defund the police, then you have vigilantes. And there is not one uh, vigilante organization in the history of this country that has ever protected someone's right, has ever cared about someone's rights. So uh, does police departments need to look at how their uh, budgets are being aligned? You know, police officers shouldn't be uh, counselors. Police officers, there are certain roles that police officers shouldn't do. And looking at budgets is is not something that's a negative thing. Uh, the twenty, you know, the years I was in the FBI, we looked at our budget and we justified our budget to make sure that we met uh, what we were capable of doing, and we didn't overextend our capabilities uh, with what we had uh, as responsibilities. Yeah, I, I, I again, I I watch a lot of video, listen to a lot of shows because of the media, and I tend to see a lot of different stories. Last night again, I saw another one where local police department, I think it was in Miami, was called. Uh, kids were too loud. They got a basketball court set up on the street, blocking some of the traffic. Occasionally, someone called the cops on them. Cop shows up, white cop in a black neighborhood. 
and he starts playing basketball with the kids. Yeah. And then, and then a week later, he shows up with a bunch of other officers and he brings it and he challenges them all. And then the following week, he shows back up and he brings a ringer. It was Shaq O'Neal. And Shaq starts playing with him. Of course, they win the game. And then Shaq lines them up and they all take free throws. And he gives every kid $100. I mean, and he talks about, hey, you got to respect your elders, respect your neighbors, treat people with great, you know, great respect. It was, it was a great lesson. You know, I wanted to cry after I watched it. But again, be human. Hey, Eric, what a great lesson today. Thank you for sharing uh, with me today and talking a little bit about this, about policing, about just being a better human and about the things that we need to do to keep people safe. It's been a pleasure to have you uh, here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thanks. Thank you, Ms. Hayes. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I'll tell you what I learned. You got, we got to be human. That's what we got to bring to the policing department. We got to we got to make sure that the human nature uh, and, you know, it, look, these guys are the guys and gals are dealing with some negative stuff. Who's a, you know, when people have arguments in their family or the person they call, they don't call their pastor. They're not calling their relatives. They call the police to come fix it. I mean, that happens a lot. Who's got to come and take kids out of homes and do that. Who's got to do all that nasty stuff. You know, when nobody else wants to do it, it's the police department. Well, you can imagine they get a little jaded. You can imagine that it's not as, pleasant all the time. So what we what can we do to make that better? How can we be more human? How do we, you know, become more like a community? And I think that's the biggest thing that I keep taking away from this about how do we bring that back? That's my that's my lesson right here on the C-Suite uh, radio show with All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. So thanks so much for tuning in and don't forget to tell your friends. Thank you. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.